0: Hello everybody, my name is Top of Hatt, and it is my pleasure to inform you that you're about to listen to the Right on Track podcast. All aboard!
1: Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to another episode of Right On Track, the podcast where we cover everything to do with Thomas de Jim and the railway series and put it into your ears for a wonderful time. My name is Tom Denham and never fear, I am never joined alone. By my side,
2: I have... None other than myself, Tom Parry, and beside me,
3: we have... Connor Jonas, this is episode 36 of the Right On Track podcast, and a rather spooky one at that.
1: It is indeed, it's very murky and swirlish.
2: Yes, the stories we're going to be covering today are Haunted Henry, Double TV Troubles, Stepney Gets Lost, and Toby's Discovery. So, yeah, three quarters of them have a spooky theme. I, I love the spook there, it was amazing. Thank you
4: very
1: much aim to please <laughs> i'm all for the spooky vibes because like i think across out of the context of thomas like a lot of the things i love generally have a bit of a spook vibe to it so i absolutely froth these episodes
3: they are amazing and i say we should start right away with haunted henry and on the very first clip here oh, he is delivering a goods train and something weird occurs.
5: Owls, mists, ghosts. Edward's going soft in the boiler. There's no mist. But Henry was wrong. What's that? cried Henry. It's an amber lamp, murmured his driver. That means proceed with caution. Who's there? No one replied. Henry crept slowly forward. He stopped by a tree. It had a sign nailed to it. Beware of the viaduct. The driver was surprised. No one warned us about that before. And look, the signal's red and the gates are closed. Uh, 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 And there's a fogman's coat. But where's its owner? Then they saw a light move within the station building. G- g- ghosts! exclaimed Henry. Edward was right! Something very strange is happening, said his driver. I think it's best we go back. So do I, agreed Henry.
2: Yes, Henry is certainly spooked by that turn of events, and I don't really blame him because the atmosphere in that scene alone is just absolutely wonderful. I love the. It's palpable. It is. I love the echoing voice of Henry's driver. I love the music. I love the fog that you can see, the dead trees. You know, it's just absolutely brilliant. I think this is one of the very few early episodes that really bring out that sense of horror and fear. But, you know, not in such a way that it frightens small children, but it has them just a little bit, a tiny little bit.
1: Yeah. It's a fine line to balance because you don't want to absolutely scare the pants off your audience, but you want to leave something that's a little unsettling about it to watch, and I think this does this really well. Yeah, uneasy is definitely the word.
2: I think back to what Bob Gould-Gallier said about how passive Thomas and Friends is, and that's you know, a, a great thing about the series, but occasionally you just need to add a little bit of conflict in there, a little bit of darkness. And the show does that so very well. It just adds that tiny little bit of scariness. but It also it presents it in this really wholesome and inviting package, we could say. Absolutely.
3: And the thing is, is that the very first spooky episode we had was all the way back in season two with Ghost Train. And here we are, three seasons later, and the budget is increased. Music is tenfold, and it does it so well. And these episodes are amazing for that. And Haunted Henry is definitely a standout, because it focuses, first of all, on Henry, who is a well-loved character, and he doesn't get many main roles nowadays.
2: Oh, not even in this season, because, you know, this is only like one of two or three episodes where Henry takes centre stage. Exactly.
3: But before we talk any more about the episode, I feel that we need to give it a bit of a rundown. So, Denim, would you mind doing us the honours?
1: So, Henry is designated to take a good strain down an old line one swirlishly haunting night, and as he goes down this line, he notices, and his uh, engine crew noticed, that not everything seems right. There's a coat hanging on a tree and uh, there's a m- mysterious goings-on. And uh, the next day he's told that they have to go down that line again and things escalate even further.
3: Yeah. And, and that is one interesting thing about this episode, on how it purely focuses on two very similar events it still builds up a mystery and aura behind it
2: it's absolutely you know it makes it sound like not a lot happens in this story but again like a lot happens it's it's like the Seinfeld of Thomas the Tank Engine something happens at the same time nothing happens and you know Well, in fairness, um, we do get to see this really spectacular crash, and that was one of the things that's, um, out for me when I first watched this story. It was seeing those trucks, um, falling off that huge cliff face into the ravine, yes. Plunging into the ravine.
1: And it's rare that we see some trucks get spooked themselves, Mm. which is really interesting in this episode.
3: Yeah, we, we see a side of the trucks that we've never really seen before. Because, like, they, they, they cause trouble, they get damaged, but this time they're genuinely almost regretting their actions.
2: <laughs> they are. One of my uh, favourite um, It says when we see the face of one of the trucks, and it's a custom face, we never see it again in any other episode of this van, and he looks... Absolutely petrified. Like, this is... <laughs> this is the I'm end. looking at that
1: picture now. That's the only word for it. <laughs> Absolutely.
3: Now, um... Like, like there, there really isn't much talk about this episode. But I feel that there are a few interesting things to bring up. So, it starts off uh, one evening when Henry and Edward are having a talk together. And Edward almost scares Henry about a warning on how when an owl hoots, a mist will soon roll in along with a ghost. Now, we'd never really see Edward again in this episode.
2: You can barely see Edward at all in Series 5. He, he's like yeah. Henry, you know, but amplified. Where is he? Where's his stories? Exactly. But add to it on how that hooting
3: owl that Edward introduced is carried throughout the story. Whenever an owl hoot occurs, something scary happens. So first you've got the initial scare with the mist, the lamp, the closed gate, red signal, discarded coat, and a warning and a light flickering in an abandoned station. And then the the next day, the same thing happens again, except instead of it being a slow, gradual thing, Owl hoots, suddenly screaming, and Gordon just flies by with the express. Mm. And that scene, I distinctly remember making me jump out of my seat just due to how well it was edited. It was a literal jump scare in
2: Thomas. Mm. No, No, I have to say, that's one of the things I hadn't noticed growing up, but now that you say it, the editing for this episode is really good. I mean... Pacing, especially it helps to again build up that atmosphere. Um, and Gordon does fly by the express, it is a surprising moment, so yeah, it does very well in that regard. Mm. Oh, one thing we haven't mentioned is this story is the first and only appearance of Old Bailey the Fogman. Yes, yeah,
3: the entire reason why Henry is spooked is because. Uh, There is a fogman that lives nearby or works nearby or is nearby. And he is warning Henry or any other train about first a broken viaduct and a landslide. And they don't happen to believe him. But after the climax of the episode, when the trucks that Henry is pushing hit a landslide by the viaduct and go plunging into the ravine below... Old Bailey introduces himself and he uh, reprimands Henry for not heeding his warnings. And then Henry... um, And then Old Bailey wants to be made the station master of the abandoned station that they passed along the way. Yes. And I feel that Old Bailey really had so much more potential with his character, and we never really see him. Because this is his only true appearance, and
2: he isn't seen again. He... He has four sentences of dialogue, and that is it.
3: But he is so... Good already, purely due to the lengths and the creative lengths that he's gone to to warn Henry in both of these cases.
1: This is, uh, I guess, one in the many line of characters who had awesome potential to do stuff in Series 5, but it was kind Mm. of discarded and left, and we never really see them again, and we're going to talk about some of them more further on in this episode. But I would love to have seen a further on, follow-on episode with Henry and Old Bailey, uh, as a yeah. character dynamic, I reckon that would have worked really well in Henry's favour, except we got different mm. stuff, which I'm not complaining we uh, about Henry episodes, but like it would have been nice to see. I, I feel a good chance they could have had to use Old Bailey would be
3: in a later Season 5 episode bar, which the main character is Percy and the main station is Maithwaite. However, I feel that the main station could have been Old Bailey's station and you could have Old Bailey there. It'll be a nice yeah.
1: continuation
4: of uh. the story.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm going to, yeah, I, I, I definitely invite that. Retcon that
3: in I head, Keanu.
1: Every, every copy of Bar is personalised. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Um, but there, there is one more note I would like to make here and and a question. Uh, one is that this is twice in season five that there has been an old abandoned railway line. Um, First one appearing in By George. And in fact, the layout of the railway line
2: in By George that George ripped up
3: is very similar to this one in Haunted
2: Henry. I'm very glad, I'm very glad, Connor, that you picked that up because it does look like they've used the same slash layout, this story, as they did for by George. That very same railway he tore up, George tore up, I should say, has uh, just had its tracks relayed again, and it's got a fresh new station with a brand new coat of paint. But what's more... The old abandoned station is running the opposite way to Henry's line that he takes to cross the viaduct. So, those what those gates, those those gates that you see are closing, are actually are actually um, where the other railway line should be.
3: Yeah, and and it brings up the question: one, how does that railway line layout exist? Because C- I know it is real, but they're very rare. And two, how are these crossing gates still operational? And why is this abandoned line and station there?
2: Where have they come from? And why do they need to reopen it again? It can't just be on old Bailey's whim.
4: Yeah.
1: Oh, 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 now this is where you could put superstition into play because this is a haunted episode and Thomas does like to dabble in the paranormal here and there. In By George, they could rip up the rails, turn it into a road, but overnight the rails reappear. Ooh. I do like that.
3: However, the surrounding scenery is very different.
1: I don't think it's too far-fetched to assume that there are stations on Sodor that will be built with the same design in mind because if you look at a railway with a lot of stations, sometimes they do um, share the same or very similar architecture for some smaller stations.
3: I do agree with you there. And, um, in fact, there is... A few more uh, haunted and abandoned stations that I have got a theory about, uh, especially connecting Horwin Lake Station, which...
1: Is is the the theory that it's the Magic Railroad? No. Uh Oh. Okay.
3: And on that horrible uh, bombshell, we're going to give our ratings. I'm going to come out here and say the music is amazing. The atmosphere is great. I wish that they had done more with old Bailey um, and maybe a tiny bit more explanation on the accident because it's first the viaduct is in danger, but then suddenly there's a landslide and there's been no real warning about either of those yet. Somehow the line is operational the next day, but regardless of those questions, it's an eight from me.
2: I wholeheartedly agree, Connor. I'm gifting this with an eight as well. You've summarised everything perfectly. I enjoy the music. I enjoy the atmosphere. There's some, you know, things that need explaining, and we could see more of Old Bailey, but, you know, it's a classic. What can I say? Yeah, I absolutely
1: agree as well. Um, I recall back in the day of VHS, I had a copy of Spooks and Surprises, Um, And this was one of those, I guess, advertised episodes on that VHS, or it's the one I enjoyed revisiting the most. It was one of those um, because it just has so many really iconic moments. It doesn't need a lot to make it a really good episode. And I think a part of that is just the music and the scenery. And I come to it as an adult now and absolutely love it. For what it is, I reckon it's a beautiful piece of television. Um, but yeah, I definitely agree. Like, it would have been nice to see more Old Bailey, but I don't think that takes away from this episode specifically. So I'm going to give it a
4: 9.5.
2: Oh. Okay, then. And also, Denim, yeah. can I say, I'm very glad you mentioned spooks and surprises because I saw this story for the very first time on that very same. VHS, and I used to rent it endlessly from the local video rental store when it existed. And um, yeah, I kind of wish I had a, <laughs> had a gone back and purchased it at some stage. But no, it's yeah, a lot of fun memories watching yeah. that VHS.
1: Oh, me too, me too. Yeah, I think there. I, I th- as we have talked about, and will discover further, there is a huge underlying theme of spooky stories in this season. Oh, yeah, and we're going to explore them as we move
3: on through our next few episodes, except this one. So, Parry, what is the next episode we're going to be covering?
2: Well, the next uh, Thomas and Friends story we're going to be looking at, Connor, is called Double Teaming Troubles, and in the clip you're about to hear, uh, Boko is being introduced to the new Diesel on the island of Sodor, who is just... (laughs) Broken down on Gordon's Hill. Oh my, grease and
5: oil. I wasn't expecting this hill.
4: Oh, what's that?
5: His wheels spun, and then there was trouble. Boko came to the rescue. <sighs> Sorry, said the diesel. I'm all hot and bothered. Got teething troubles, you know. The news soon spread down the line. Apparently it's teething troubles, confided Thomas to Percy. Hey, you two, this new diesel's got toothache. Good luck. Why does Percy want to wish us good luck? asked Bill. Because he knows we'll need it. A diesel with toothache must be the worst diesel of all.
1: Yes, and they soon discover that Derek the Diesel is soon a rather interesting piece of work. I have to say, one of the things I have always loved about Thomas, and I think this carries on particularly well in this season, but it's so noticeable in the original books, um, the wordplay and lingo is so well-crafted, and I love how Bill and Ben and Percy misunderstood Teething Troubles Too Fake. It's so beautiful, and I think that resonates really well with those characters.
3: Yes. So uh, for those that don't know, this episode, Double Teething Troubles, uh, plays on the idea of teething troubles, which are the kind of accidents and incidents that occur when an engine or a vehicle or a machine has been newly built, rebuilt, redone, essentially after they have been... Uh, massively improved or made are uh, the first little issues with their design may appear. Mm,
2: yes. Yeah. So essentially sometimes when these things are being broken into, and when that by broken into, I don't mean, you know, we're vandalising them and thieving them. I mean, as they're heading into service, as they're about to be utilised full-time, uh, you know, things just go wrong. I mean, babies, we talk about teething troubles. When babies are teething, of course, you know, that's when the tears start happening and the loud voices and, um, yeah, all sorts of things. So, and I particularly love, as Denim was touching on, the game of Chinese whispers that goes around the Sodor Railway, how it turns from teething troubles to toothache. It's just absolutely wonderful. And Denim also. They referred to the Diesel as Derek. Now, in the story's narration, the Diesel is never referred to by that name. Derek is the name he was given in merchandising. So the toys and things that came out in or after the episode was put to air.
1: Yeah, very much so, which is interesting. Yeah.
3: So uh Derek the Diesel is based on a class seventeen. Paxman Diesel, um, or the Paxmans. And Derek, uh, specifically, is based on the inept attempts of the Class 17 Diesels when they tried to act as a banker on their uh, ebb vale that occurred um, when David Mainment, one of the railway consultants, uh, worked as an area manager in South Wales. Where by quote, they would run hot halfway up the bank and cut out.
2: You go, you go. No, uh, you go. Oh,
1: no, I'll save it for
2: later. <laughs> i Oh gonna do it now. Come on, do it.
1: I, I, I was gonna ask, can I can I do my Derek impression? You yes,
2: can. Please Dana. do your Derek impression. We're ready. <laughs> All
1: right. Alright, you ready? Hello. I'll soon sort this train out. You take the funds and I'll
2: push from behind. <laughs>
0: What fun! Oh,
2: that's brilliant. I love that. Um, so, uh, we, sh- we should probably do a full rundown, actually, of this. Right. So it begins with Bill and Ben causing trouble. The Fat Controller saying he's brought in a new diesel, or he's bringing a new diesel to the island. And then that's when we hear the game of Chinese whispers, and then uh, Eric comes to the Sodor China Clay Works. He offers to help. And he goes to the back of the train, Bill and Ben pull from the front, and as they're going up the hill that leaves the quarry, his engine overheats again, and it's left to Bill and Ben to pull the train and the diesel to Brendan docks.
3: And then we never see Derek in an episode again unless you count one song in the Cooling All Engines special.
1: Who's that straining up the hill?
3: It's Derek and he's
1: never seen or heard of again. That was him leaving Sodor <laughs> or going to the diesel works.
2: I'm interested as to why they chose the name Derek. I mean, I thought being a Paxman diesel, a better name for him would have been Jeremy. Why not? Oh, obviously that reference has gone over your head, Connor. So maybe you should just search up Jeremy Paxman and then... We'll see what I'm on about. Okay, then. Oh, but...
1: I'm, I'm, I'm going into Google. <laughs> Tom oh.
2: Denham is Googling the name.
1: Like... Oh, I see what you mean.
2: Ha, 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 Yeah. Okay, so for those who didn't quite get my reference there, Jeremy Paxman is a BBC broadcaster, most famous for hosting Newsnight. Thank you.
1: Um, You're welcome. As as soon as I searched it, the the... The penny dropped. <laughs>
3: I, I, I feel, um, despite this being Derek's only official appearance, he apparently was supposed to appear in season 16 in the episode Bust My Buffers. Ooh. However, according to Sharon Miller and various rumours, what occurred was Paxman was written down as a character and that got confused for Paxton, oh, the Class oh, 08 diesel that oh, was introduced in Day of the Diesels. However, that is mere rumors and speculation.
2: I bet that caused confusion and delay in the writer's room.
1: Oh, there he is. Oh, Cue laugh track. Oh. But, <laughs>
3: uh, there are a few notes about this episode uh, Bill and Ben's only season five appearance. Yes, true. Um, of course, Derek's only real appearance. One of my favourite notes about it, though, is how Duck seems to replace the role of Edward in this episode.
2: Yes, I've always found that interesting because the twins are supposed to be staying at Brendan Docks. Brendan Branchline is Edward's branch line, And, yeah, the role that Duck's playing here, it sounds like more of the paternal role or fatherly role that Edward might So, my guess is they substituted the two was because Buck, first of all, doesn't have any stories dedicated to him in Series 5, but also the only other appearance he makes in Series 5, speaking appearance anyway, is in um, by George when he's having an argument with the steamroller.
3: Mm. So maybe they wanted to put him in a little bit more, and I can understand that. However, in the same regard we mentioned the idea on how in James and the Trouble with Trees, Duck may have been originally slated to take the role of Thomas. Mm. But you never know. Maybe he was always supposed to be there, but I do love the look, especially right at the end of the episode, where you've oh, got I know what you're talking the about, green yeah. Boko, the yellow Clay Pit Twins, and the green Duck as they say goodnight to each other, as they rest at Brendam Docks.
2: And tell stories long into the night.
3: But I have got some bad news
2: for you, Parry. Oh, no, please, no. I know what you're about to say. Brace yourself. That
3: shot I mentioned right at the end of this episode is Boko's last speaking and visual role excluding stock footage.
4: Oh. Oh boy. Oh no, why did you have to do that to me, Connor?
1: (laughs) But it's okay because he's going to appear in Calling All Engines because all the diesels are going to be there. Are you sure? It's what I convinced myself in my, I don't know how old I was (laughs) when Calling All Engines came out. Yes, if Derek oh, can please. be calling all engines, so can Boko.
3: Yes, sadly, this is the last appearance of um, of Boko. How he does appear in stock footage in Stepney gets lost.
2: Um, um, that's not really consolation, Connor, but thank you anyway. It, it absolutely baffles me how Boko has just been forgotten about by the TV series because he still appears in magazine stories. He's uh, very popular within the fandom. We see him in a lot of fan-made um, stories, especially on YouTube. So true, but one issue is he is
3: uh, character-wise very much a dieselized Deadwood or oh,
2: duck. Or Duck? Well, maybe then you could, like, give him a little niche. Um, What could his niche be, I wonder? Mm. What, he's
3: a
1: Metropolitan Vickers Type 2?
2: Well,
1: he's already... Yeah, yeah, I I feel like if he came into CGI era, that's all that we would hear about him.
3: Whilst Duck is Great Western,
1: Boko is a Metropolitan Vickers Type 2. So... Um. But he is one of the... I I like the idea. If they did bring Boko back into CGI, I would love them to push the agenda of uh, letting branch line diesels pull mainline trains. I reckon that would work really well for maybe a Gordon and Boko story. Mm. The only way I feel that Boko
3: could work well is if they really played on the idea that Boko was a good diesel, and diesel was a devious diesel
2: ah that's that's not mm-hmm. a bad idea actually maybe getting i mean we've sort of seen this before even when diesel's paired up with mavis and daisy and uh all the other characters but yeah it'll be interesting to see Boko pairing up with if not devious diesel then maybe another diesel to help them with um yeah, still arian Burt. oh oh that would be really interesting Ooh.
3: A brilliant set of names that we're going to get to very soon, but first we need to do our ratings. Uh, so, oh. Parry, what are you thinking? Because you adore this episode purely for B- Boko's last appearance. Um,
2: yeah, well, it's you know, it's um, the both, Connor. I think it brings a lot of happiness and joy, but at the same time, a lot of sadness. Um, I Really, really enjoy this one. I particularly enjoy the theme that Eric has given. We haven't mentioned that so far, but I like Mm. that playful little ditty that uh, Mike O'Donnell and Junior Campbell bestowed upon him. Um, uh, Look, it's a lot of fun. I think I'll give this one a nine out of ten. Okay. Denim?
1: Ten. Six. I I, I I really like this episode. I think I've always been a fan of Bill and Ben mm. um, and I'm a fan of Duck and Boko and it has all my favourites and I love Derek as a character. Why did he never come back? I think this has so many gems, really good scripted dialogue and beautiful sets Um, and we get a cameo from Scruffy, which is really nice as well. So uh, true. there's a, a, a lot that I really like about this episode. I, I do understand that. I, I was sort of aiming for a five
3: originally. But, oh, you but, weren't, were you? I was, but I bumped it up to a six. Get out. <laughs> I, fine, but 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 <laughs> but b- before I do leave, sadly, um, what the the reason why is because they didn't introduce Derek well enough because they didn't even give him a name straight from the start. He wasn't even classed as an official character. I feel it may have worked out if they had a line at the end of the episode, much like in Bold Out, that Derek returned back to the works or something. So that way he actually had a send off. However, all he has here is, and Bill and bed and pulled him to Brendam Docks. And then we never hear of him.
2: But they also say that the new Diesel is quite friendly, and you do touch upon something there, Connor. It's that they don't really allow time for his character to develop. It's just sort of his engine breaks down and he's kind of helpful.
3: So, yeah. He only has a few lines. Like, I mean, old Bailey at least had interactions with Henry before his character was introduced. All we know of Derek is... Of his few lines, and he breaks down. And, you know, it it is an okay episode. You know, Boko is nice in character here, Bill and Ben are in character, but it really is purely in just one set, and it's not that interesting a story. I I Like I mean, I I often would skip this when I was watching my series five DVD, because it was just <gasps> That is sacrilege. It is
2: sacrilege.
3: Well, before I scare you guys anymore with my harsh words, I feel we need to go to
1: our musical interlude. Everybody is entitled to an opinion, Connor. (laughs) You are okay. I, for one, do not like Edward Trevor and the Really Useful Party, so you have a valid voice. Moving to our musical interlude, which
4: we're going to
1: stick with the
3: spooky theme from Haunted Henry and the next two episodes that we'll review. Uh, And this time we're going to be covering a collaboration, actually, musical interlude between Mavis M. and Sleepy Henry. This is The Famous 8 Halloween Suite.
2: was our good friend Mavis M in a collaboration with Sleepy Henry and that song was the famous eight Halloween sweets keeping with our theme from today's episode of Right on Track. You are listening to episode 36 overall of the Thomas the Tank Engine podcast and so far we've covered haunted Henry, and double teething troubles, and now it's time for us to jump in to Stepney Gets Lost. Connor, why don't you uh, tell us uh, what we're going to be hearing in this clip from this very story?
4: Well,
3: uh, Stepney has been invited to work at the quarry after his, all his long, repetitive work on the Bluebell Railway. So he works there with Mavis and Toby before he needs to leave late at night and pull a special
5: train. Stepney soon arrived at the quarry. We're glad you're here to help us, said Toby. Are those my trucks? asked Stepney eagerly. Only some of them. There's masses more in the sidings, replied Mavis. The more the merrier, whistled Stepney. Stepney was really enjoying himself. The dustier he became, the harder he worked. Mavis and Toby were impressed. The quarry foreman spoke to his driver. We have a night special to take to the building site at the new branch line. Do you want to pull the train? Yes, please, said the driver. But he should have asked the Fat Controller first. Yes, indeed.
1: They should have asked the Fat Controller because unbeknownst to Stepney and his driver and fireman, things were lying for them down the line after his special delivery. What happens is uh, Stepney goes down the wrong line as the signman famously screws up yet again and he ends up in... The Scrapyard, where he meets two oily diesels who usher him to the smelters. Um And things are, this is like, we, we spoke on um, the idea of Thomas being spooky, but I guess this is really the darkest Thomas has gotten. This is the darkest episode.
2: Yeah, straight up. Of series five, for sure. It's very macabre.
3: Because I, I really love the dark side of Thomas. Such as in Rusty to the Rescue, uh, that we reviewed with M. What happened was that we spoke about the darkness of, you know, the Stepney is about to be scrapped and he's being rescued. But we never really have much of a threat there. It's more of a, will they escape or not? But in this episode, we actually see Stepney getting caught. And we see seconds before he's turned into scrap metal, he is saved. And it is super tense. And it puts you right on the edge of this seat for this episode.
1: Which is really interesting because the first half of this episode is quite chirpy and cheerful. Stephanie's going to work with Toby and Mavis at the quarry and they're all well and good. And then after he takes his train, the episode, like, turns on its head into something completely different. And it turns it so well.
3: And, of course, as you said, we're introduced to two new characters. We were introduced to... Old Bailey in Haunted Henry. We were introduced to Derek or Paxman in Double Teething Troubles. Now we're introduced to Ari and Bert, the Scrapyard Diesels, in this episode.
2: And, of course, we only ever hear Ari speak, and he refers to Bert by name, but Bert doesn't speak. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's really interesting. This is the way they introduced the two of them, because... Harry and Bert are huge merchandising. They still make appearances in the CGI series. Show writers are really effective at placing them into all these stories, and yet they have this really kind of non-eventful introduction, you could say.
3: Yeah, they, they aren't expected. There's no build-up. It's just, oh, no, we're in the scrapyard, and then it's eerily quiet, and then you get these... Two lurking diesels just go up to Stepney and refer to Stepney by name, saying that, We've got you now, Stepney. Which um, which immediately adds to the idea of Stepney escaped from scrap before. There is more history here that's going on behind the scenes. Maybe Ari and Bert have been tracking Stepney down? Because we don't know if they do work at the smelters or the ironworks. Only in future episodes is that confirmed. But at this point, these two diesels may have been tracking Stepney from the original scrapyard when he escaped.
2: Well, actually, you mentioned, Connor, that we're not entirely sure if the diesel should be working there. It does say on the side of their bodies, Sodor Ironworks, so that gives you some idea as to where they are employed. Maybe on the
3: Sodor Ironworks,
2: perhaps. (laughs) It could be intentionally misleading, you know, like bands that say Flowers by Irene.
1: Yeah, yeah, you you never know. (laughs) You never know. But one thing that I do like about this is that it could very just well be that Stepney has a reputation that goes around and he is famously known as the engine who was saved from scrap. Because what happens after Rusty to the rescue when they leave the scrapyard? Like, he's missing, so they're kind of going, where's this engine that we were going to scrap? And then word could very easily travel amongst those diesels. Of course, because we know that the revolutionary
3: diesels, you know, they go to a yard and improve it. So, of course, if something is showing that wrong they're gonna try and stop it and this episode it it does so many great things so like from top to bottom you have got the industrial stepney covered in dust it's amazing you have got a wonderful toby mavis and stepney dynamic which you never really see again but it works really well there is a There is a danger theme of Stepney, which you never, ever hear after this. And it's so well put and subtle. Of course, you've got the idea of there being a history between Ari, Bert, and Stepney, or maybe the Diesels and Stepney all together. And you have got the lighting and the fog of this episode, especially at the Smelters, with the red flashing, it really builds up the idea that this is a hot place. It is dangerous. Stepney should not be here.
2: And what I particularly love about the scene where Stepney's appears to be eating his imminent demise is um, when the claw comes down, there's no spooky music. You just hear the industrial noises in the background and the whirr. Of the crane descending, and then it suddenly stopping. I mean, I think that does a really great job of, you know, extracting terror from this situation. One thing, actually, Connie, you touched upon, and we've neglected to mention: this is Mavis's first uh, speaking appearance in a Thomas and Friends story since Series Three, which is when she was introduced, and we've seen her character more from this uh I guess uh arrogant youngster to a more maternal role that she would go on to play in later seasons.
3: Hmm exactly. And uh, honestly, one thing about this episode that I absolutely adore is how despite Mavis haven't been returning from so long and it would be great to see more Mavis around the future. It works well with her not having a big role here. Yeah. She, she's there for just the right amount of time. She inputs exactly what she needs. Same as Toby. There, there really isn't anything about this episode that I can fault.
2: And yet you can find fault in Double TV Troubles. Absolutely, it's easy to. Oh, dear.
1: Well, you know what's really interesting? You said the fault in Double TV Troubles was that Derek isn't named and Ari and Bert aren't named in this episode.
3: Uh,
2: Buffer and Bert? But Ari's not named. Uh, We've got you
3: there. Ari, Ari isn't named. However, they aren't built up to be new characters. They're not built up to be the new Diesels helping out they're literally unexpected in one shot you just have Stepney looking around the scrapyard as his driver and firemen have abandoned him and then you just see the two Diesels moving under the gantries towards Stepney and you're immediately going who are these people well engines what are they doing here it is like, with this characterization between the two, oh uh, well, the the pairs of Ari and Burt and Derek Slash Paxman, Ari and Burt, I would say, are immediately better because without a name, without any build up, you immediately know within the first ten seconds of their introduction that they are evil, they want Stepney, and you are immediately terrified of them.
1: There's this beautiful shot in the episode where Ari is talking to Stephanie and you see this kind of flicker of red light across his face. I would almost go as far as to say that's a little bit of, I don't know, kind of foreshadowing of some kind of, dare I say, demonic presence.
3: Yeah. Like, I mean, the red really plays up in this idea. But I, my only question, which isn't a fault, it's a question, what was Ari and Burt's plan? They, they, they scrapped Stepney, but then the Stepney's fireman and driver now don't have an engine. Um, Sodor, or well, the Bluebell Railway, doesn't have an engine anymore. And, like, would this be classed as Ari and Bert are stealing Stepney back? Or, like, what's what's the background
1: paperwork here? I reckon that they're just kind of striving to obliterate steam engines. I think there are characters like Diesel who go as far as trying to replace engines like Duck, but then there are uh, other Diesels on a higher end of that spectrum that go, no, we're going to go one further. We're going to make sure that the work is done so we can replace them.
3: Yeah, they can't get the chance to try and win back the hearts of everyone. But yes, uh, of course, Stepney is saved from scrap and the claw by Sir Topham Hatt, who is investigating the scrapyard uh, and inspecting it later, well, that day. Yeah, late just at night,
2: he happens to be inspecting at night. a shelter. Hmm, yes,
1: we'll take that scrap engine and then we'll turn him into something.
4: Something <laughs> or other. Do, 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 do.
3: But, like, I mean, I love this episode. I can't find fault. If I could give it a higher score, I
1: would. It's a 10.
2: Uh, Denim, do you want to go next?
1: <laughs> mm, mm, you need time to think. Um. Yeah, I... I In retrospect, I think about this episode and there is a lot of elements happening, a lot of firsts for the show as well. Like this is the first time we properly see deeper elements of the scrapyard. There's some beautiful elements reused from um, previous episodes like Haunted Henry in here, which I think is not cheating in any sense. It's just... Reutilizing what's worked really well in the past,
3: like I mean, the the, um, the scene where Stepney is going along the line by himself in the fog, like that's really well done and edited. Like I mean, my favourite shot is when Stepney goes around the points and he his tiny little as he goes around the bend, his tiny little whistle.
2: Yeah. Oh, we should also point. We should also point out as well. There's a reason why Stepney went down the railway line and uh, found himself at the Smelters. The signalman. Yes, it is the fault of the signalman once again.
3: Maybe so, however... Do
2: they never learn?
3: True, however, Stepney really wasn't expected
1: along the line.
2: Well, you've got to expect... This, far, this is
1: true, yeah. It would have been Mavis or Toby. You've got
2: to expect the unexpected, yeah. though. I mean, you know, you've got to anticipate that something may go wrong, Connor. And because
3: Mavis or Toby were expected to go along the line, maybe their original thing was to turn around where apparently a
1: new branch line is being built, but we're not going to touch on that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Here, here's an interesting point. What happens if Mavis was the one who pulled the train and went to the scrapyard? What happens then?
2: Elliot's <laughs> to say, all right, go about your business then. We won't bother you. No. Yeah. Uh,
1: we're, we're, sh-
3: we're sorry, madam. We thought you were someone else. But the thing is, is that, if anything, I would say it's Stepney's and his drivers and firemen fault for assuming, oh, someone must be expecting us. When yeah. going along the line, I, this is probably the only time I'm going to say the
1: signalman was not in the wrong. Oh, I'm going to save you this moment.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, we certainly got your score, And What would you give the episode out of 10?
1: Oh, yeah. So, 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 so sorry for fumbling about that. Um, I am, uh, yeah, there, there's a lot I really like about this. I'm going to go nine.
2: Okay. Um, Oh, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in this story, but it doesn't really do it for me. I think that the first half is really mundane. I think that the second half, it's it's good, but it just... It, that build-up to that moment I don't think is quite there. So I am looking at a 6 out of 10 for this one. I'm not doing this out of spite. I'm just doing it because... It's
3: the exact same scores as Double Teething Troubles, Perry. Yeah, ex-
2: except <laughs> switched around. Yeah. Um, Look, it's nothing personal, Connor. It's just I'm not particularly fond of this story. It's good. It just doesn't do it for me. That's fine.
3: We'll just see what the commenters think. Oh, Moving I... on.
1: <laughs> having said that, it's, it's, it's just nice to see Stepney in action. And this is his last leading role as well.
3: Now, we're going to move on to our final episode of today, and we're going to discover all that it has with Toby's Discovery.
5: Soon, the children were playing in the sand, building a splendid castle. The Fat Controller inspected it. My word, that's a very fine castle. Have you seen a real one like it? Yes, replied the children. It's here on the island. And they showed him a map. Hmm, pondered the Fat Controller. They met Toby at the harbour. Come on, we're going exploring. It will be a great adventure. Soon they were in the wildest part of the island They stopped by a lonely signal box Where might you be going then? asked the signalman We're trying to find an old castle, replied the fat controller I know the place sir, said the signalman There's a small junction not too far down the line Just switch the points When the firemen switched the points, their adventure really began.
2: Oh, yes, as you can hear, Toby and the Fat Controller and his grandchildren are off on an adventure. They're just like hobbits exploring Middle Earth, except Middle Earth is Odor and they're using a tram engine instead of... Uh We're
3: taking the tram to Isengard, to Isengard.
2: Well <laughs> well done. Uh putting in a 15-year-old reference there, Connor. Good on you. Okay. Um But yes,
1: Toby's discovery. Denim, would you like to give us a synopsis? So the Fat Controller and his grandchildren go to visit Toby and requests that he takes them to the seaside with Henrietta. And when they go to the beach, uh Bridget and Steven build a very fine sandcastle, which is based on a real one uh, hidden away on the island of Sodor. And the Fat Controller is keen to discover more, so it takes Toby and Henrietta to follow the path of the castle. But they also discover an old mine, which the Fat Controller decides is uh, perfect to bring tourists to with a little bit of work. But this happens to be the mine where an engine known as the Old Warrior... Used to work. Yeah. So
3: another haunted episode, except this one isn't heavily leaning on the spooky side, and it's more so a unvent adventure into the abandoned and uneasy.
2: Mm, yes, I guess you could say that. What particularly puzzles me, though, is how... This castle is hidden along an abandoned branch line, which is overrun with bushes and trees which are blocking the path, and yet somehow the children have seen it. And have got a map? And they've got a map to it as well, yeah. That's, a, that's quite extraordinary and,
3: and Sir Topham Hatt doesn't know about it?
1: It's Yes. Well, he is a controller of a railway. He doesn't know the whole geography of the island. That is true.
3: However, due to the railway line that runs by it... I'm
2: sure... we've got to also acknowledge the fact that when the Fat Controller discovers these abandoned places, he thinks they'll make great places for people to come and visit. They go to the island. I mean, what how much authority does this man have? Does he just run a railway or does he own the entire island?
3: It's his own private island. Yes. His private little railroad. But it is a wonderful episode. Of course, we have the question of the grandchildren. But one thing... They are all knowing. I love about this, because, like, maybe the grandchildren saw it on a school hike or something. Railway is an only form of transport.
2: It's in the middle of nowhere. What kind of school hike is that? That's like having a geography day trip to, I don't know, the Galapagos Islands.
3: Yeah, and that's a wonderful geographical site. I don't know why I used geography for that. But um, one thing I love about this episode is the connection between Toby and the grandchildren. Because the very first time Toby was ever introduced was when Sir Topham and his wife and his grandchildren were on a holiday and they came across Toby, who is not electric. (laughs) And they've kept that continuation here. I was just about to do this. And it is such a brilliant little note. Mm. And I, like, I'm immediately going to say right now, I love abandoned stuff. I do my own urban exploration when I can. So this episode, visuals alone, is amazing.
2: And I also like the fact that they retain some continuity to this story because we see in season six and seven, Thomas and Friends, that all the engines like to visit the castle and the little station that's beside it.
1: Yeah, it's still there after all these
3: years. It is a common location that is used again and again. Uh, the one place that we don't see much of is the mine, which is actually where most of this episode takes place. After uh, Sir Topham, Toby and his grandchildren have gone to Castle first, they go to the mine, which is remnants of the old Mid Sodor Railway where Duke, uh, Stuart and Falcon used to work along with other narrow gauge engines, uh, which has now become long abandoned and overgrown.
2: Mm. And um, speaking mm. of narrow gauge engines, when we actually meet the old warrior who goes by the name of Bertram, we find that he's a model of Duke from Series 4, but he's got the face of Smudger, the engine that was turned into a boiler. Exactly. So, so it's
3: a, a, a wonderful little um, mashup, you could say, but the engine created Bertram is fantastic. Uh, He doesn't say a line, but the model itself is really well done, despite it being a repaint and a different face. It really feels like a different
1: engine. Yeah. As a kid, I never really saw any flooriness. I just kind of assumed, because we have twin engines on Soto, I assumed it's the same class as Duke. Yeah, it's just another Duke engine.
2: Um. What really stood out to me about Bertram, though, was just his smiling face. I always thought he had this very warm and welcoming face, and I often wondered why they didn't utilise that more, either in the story or in the series as a whole.
3: But, of course, um, Bertram is never seen again, mainly because he was repainted to look like Duke after this.
2: Curse of Series 5 strikes again. First Old Bailey... And Derek, and now Bertram. I know, it's terrible. Um, but
3: there are a few questions about this. Uh, first of all, uh, Toby goes exploring into the wildest part of the island, uh, where they come across a lonely signal box, which is still in use, despite a lot of its
1: lines around it overgrown and... Stuff. It's a gunzle. It's run by a gunzle.
2: <laughs> Maybe he's just hoping for the day that you know someone comes exploring and he can finally tell them about all the exciting sights and sounds that they can see.
3: Take me with you, no. Oh. Um. <laughs> bye. But but uh, it, it's not unlike for there to be abandoned lines next to still functional lines. So I like to think that maybe this wildest part of the line that Toby's on is just another one of those um, small branch lines that we don't know about. Maybe it's a private line. Maybe it runs to a timber mill. Maybe it connects to the other side of the collapsed bridge in the Great Discovery. We don't know. It's
1: true. It's true. (laughs) But that's not a story. Yes.
3: But there is something interesting here on how when Toby arrives at the mine, uh, there are tons of scrapped engines there. We don't know whether they're engines that have just Mm. been abandoned and they are now rusted away or whether they've actually just been stored there. Uh, You also actually get a rather interesting Tug's prop appearance, which is the old munitions warehouse building makes an appearance in a rock face. It's uh, you. It's only, like, Tugs fan will know it, but, it, you know, I found it interesting. So then why, in this abandoned, disused, mine is Bertram
2: still functional? And why is the signalman still looking after him?
1: Do you reckon it's the same signalman from the signal box that they went to before?
2: Yes, it is. It's exactly the same one, but they don't make that particularly clear in narration. Yeah, they could just be using reusing
3: models there. But
1: this is a whole other, like old Bailey kind of situation, like where there is someone working on this part of the railway, probably not employed to do so, but they're there and they're making stuff happen. They're making their own heritage line. (laughs) Yeah, but I do have a theory.
3: Oh because uh, there are no narrow-gauge lines that run to this old, abandoned uh, or Railway mine, at least none that are uh, not torn up. So in the final shot of the episode where we see Bertram in the now Carnival um, old mine with Scarlow in Reneus in their Season 4 forms, uh, they most likely would have been moved there by a Flatbed.
2: True. Now,
3: that also brings up the idea on maybe Bertram is an old mid-Sodal. Be- because what we do know is that it's an old mid-Sodal railway la- mine. um, And Bertram is there and is called the old warrior because he's so brave. He doesn't say anything and we know nothing about him. However, if you are trying to rebuild a standard-gauge, narrow-gauge mine, it might be useful to have a narrow-gauge engine on hand. So I believe that Bertram was actually an engine specifically brought in to the old mine during its restoration or destruction to help with the cleanup process. Maybe he'll travel into the little mine shafts there that they've got. Maybe he is exploring the parts that the narrow gauge engines can't reach.
1: I believe that theory. That's pretty plausible. Because it's mentioned nowhere
3: that is part of mid Sodor. Granted, he's got a similar design to Duke, but
1: so do a ton of other engines in real life. So... Well, it's logical that the person or the people who are trying to revitalize this mine or railway go, well, there was a prince class who worked on the railway. Maybe if we take another one over there, that one will be well suited to working in that part of the island. Yeah, exactly. Maybe Bertram
3: was specifically bought by the new old mine carnival ground to assist in its. First, refurbishment, and then later, working life.
2: Mm. Food for thought. Nom, nom,
3: nom, nom, nom. But I've got nothing else to say about this episode. I love its abandoned stuff, um, but it is really just a three-part episode, because you've got the first, ooh, we're at the beach. Then, ooh, we're exploring stuff. And, ooh, there's a spooky thing now in the
2: end. Mm, yeah, it's um, not yet another one of those stories where a lot happens and at the same time it feels like nothing happens at all. And really...
3: Nothing me, permanent has happened. Yeah,
2: and really for me, I really enjoy the bits where Toby and Henrietta are exploring the abandoned mines. But when it comes to building the... Uh, theme park and uh, Toby having to stay overnight. It just kind of lose interest after that point.
3: If the entire episode was based around exploring abandoned stuff and the Fat Controller has an offhand comment and, ooh, I want to redo this, I would love this episode even more. But as it stands, I'm only going to give it a seven.
2: Okay, then. I'm going to give it a six. Actually, no, I'll give it a six as well. Okay, now, Denim. Mm. Yeah, well, I really,
1: like, I'll back, Connor, I really love the visuals for this episode because, like, a lot of them are one-offs. We do get to see the castle again, which is lovely. Oh, yeah. But never in its dilapidated form. No, 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 no. It's uh, refurbished and it looks wonderful. Um, It's nice to have a Toby episode again. Uh, because it's not often, I guess, in this region of the show that we get them. Like, we didn't really get many in Season 4, so it's nice to kind of have one here. Um, and, I again, I'll say that I really like the correlation between this and Toby and the Stout Gentleman having the Fat Controller and the grandchildren in the story. I thought that was really nice. Um, so I'm going to give this a 7.
2: Okay,
3: then. A 6, 6, and 7. So close to extra spookiness. We've come quite
2: clo- sorry, I was gonna say we've come close to having so-called perfect scores when in, in which all three of us are in agreement, but not on this occasion.
1: No. You've um, got to have varying opinions for it to be interesting conversation
3: sometimes.
2: Very true. Very true.
1: We were so close to having an extra spooky
3: number, but That doesn't matter. I'm afraid that brings us to the end of episode 36 of the Right on Track podcast. What have we covered and what will we cover, Parry?
2: Well, in today's episode, we have covered Haunted Henry, Double being Troubles, Stephanie Gets Lost, and Toby's Discovery. And in the next episode of Right on Track, which will be number 37, we'll be looking at just three stories, Something in the Air, Thomas Percy and the old slow coach and Thomas and the rumours. And that's it.
1: Absolutely. It's going to be a great time and I most look forward to it. But until that time comes, I'm still Denim. I'm still Parry. I'm still Connor. And this has been the Ryan on Track podcast.
0: Adios, guys. Well. See you later. Woo! you'll be listening to the right on track podcast hosted by tom parry connor jonas and tom denham to keep up to date and on schedule with right on track you can follow them on their various social media platforms platform one is facebook Facebook.com slash Thomas podcast. Platform two is Instagram. Sin underscore right on track. Platform three is Twitter at OnTrackThomas. Platform four is email. RightOnTrackThomas at gmail.com. And on Platform 5, for more show details, visit sin.org.au slash Right on Thomas podcast. The theme was composed by Headmaster Hastings. Edited by Tom Denham. Produced by Sim Media.